going, everyone? Joe Gardner here welcoming you to edition number 40 of Joe vs. the World. My guest today is a longtime independent wrestler, the head trainer of the CZW Chikara Wrestle Factory, the co-host of the Chikara Podcast to Go-Go, and the author of numerous books on wrestling. It's Lightning Mike Quackenbush. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing quite well. How are you, Joe? That's good. It is a little snowy up here, as I imagine it is in your uh, neck of the woods. Indeed it is. I think we got maybe about eight inches, so I was out uh, busting my back all day trying to clear a path, uh, and then I, as fate would have it, we still ended up having to cancel class tonight down at the Chicago Wrestle Factory, so everybody's enjoying a night off. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, I did want to start this off by saying that uh, how much I love the recent Chikara DVD covers emulating the famous comic book covers. Uh, I mean, have you gotten a lot of feedback on these? Do a lot of people recognize them, or is it kind of kind of, you know, half and half, don't really know what's going on. Well, I think maybe because of the style of Chikara, we tend to attract comic fans as it is. And obviously, I, I grew up as a comic book fan, still, and I still read about a dozen books a week. Um, so I, I, I think because there's just a, a natural element of that in what we do, in, in inherent in everything that we create, maybe because of that, we tend to attract uh, comic aficionados. Whether I'd say it's about half the audience or a smaller percentage, I don't really know. Um, but I definitely think it's one of those things where the people who get it, they take one look and they immediately know, hey, that's Amazing Spider-Man number 50, that's Justice League International number one, or Marvel number four, whatever the case might be. Um, and then there are other people who probably just think, wow, that's a wacky-looking DVD cover, and they never think twice about it. Yeah, I think the people that, that get it would really appreciate it. Uh, and I, I do want a, uh, a poster of the Justice League International tribute from the last Cybernetico. Which I, which you told me you are, which you're not planning on making, but no, oh well. No, I wish we had a better outlet for having posters made or something. Because every once and again we do get a request. People say, "Oh, you know, I think this should go on a poster, or that should." And the place that does a lot of our printing always says, "Yeah, you want to shoot for a minimum order of about a thousand any time you print those." And Oops. I think there are, you know, if I gathered all the Chikara fans in the universe together, there isn't a thousand <laughs> of us. So, yeah, that might be a long time coming, but you never know. Oh, oh well. Well, we are a few months shy of the five-year anniversary of Chikara. What's what's the state of the Chikara union right now? Are you happy with the product as it is and, I guess, the business side of things? Well, of course, now is an interesting time for you and I to be discussing that. We're kind of uh, really here at the, the penultimate moment before we unleash King of Trios on an unsuspecting independent circuit. Um, and for those unfamiliar with uh, Chikara, the way things work, our events, etc., uh, our, the Chikara calendar year runs from February to November. We take December and January off to celebrate Kwanzaa, etc. And then we come back uh, with this monstrous, typically obese, uh, an overbooked tournament uh, in the month of February. And in years past, that tournament has been called the Tag World Grand Prix. Um, but as we crowned tag team champions last year, the purpose of having a tag tournament now seems rather moot. And uh, we replaced it instead with King of Trios, a tournament which will feature all six-man tag matches, which is more of our milieu, I think. And uh, that, of course, starts in less than, well, about 48 hours. For, uh, of course, by the time uh, your particular podcast or program hits the air, who knows? Um, but for us right now, we're just about 48 hours away from the launch of night one of King of Trios. Um, so there's certainly a lot of, uh, you know, anticipation on our end and, you know, a lot of our year really is dictated by how successful the season kickoff tournament uh, does. Uh, in the past, you know, we've always been very lucky to have some of our biggest houses of the year uh, for our February tournament. And, you know, that really does set the pace for us in terms of our financial forecasting and everything else for the rest of our of our year. 
So it's tough for me to prognosticate on that now um, until King of Trios is in the books. But I can tell you in terms of what to expect from Shakar as, as the year goes on, we're definitely changing things up, obviously. Uh, the, the King of Trios replacing the Tag World Grand Prix is just the first of, of many. Um, there's a couple uh, new tournaments that are going to be on our calendar this year, uh, one of which will be announced in about a week or two. Um, so keep your eyes peeled at JakaraPro.com for more information about that. And then, of course, the staples that everyone's come to know and love, like Young Lions Cup, the Cybernetico that you mentioned, and tons more masked, wacky, Lucha Libre-influenced wrestling goodness. I want to ask you about the the uh, King of Trios, but um, I just have a question that may only interest me. In the, I know Takara <laughs> ran some shows in uh, sort of my neck of the woods, New England. They ran in uh, Vermont at Bennington College in 2004. Mm-hmm. How did these shows come about? It just seems Vermont just seems a uh, an odd place to to branch out. Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you two two things about that. First. Uh, the group of guys that I have trained in the, the Chikara family, as we tend to refer to each other, we're kind of like this, uh, I don't know, yeah, like a, a Lucha-influenced version of the Mafia, I guess, <laughs> certainly more benevolent. Um, you know, we're a really tight-knit group of guys, and a lot of times, uh, you know, just for the fun of it, we, we get a little competitive. And one of the things that uh, a lot of us uh, are competitive about is how many states each of us have wrestled in. Uh, and I'm only second on the list, I believe. There's only one guy who's ahead of me. And we're always trying to, you know, oh, you know, I, I got a booking somewhere bizarre. You know, one of the guys will say, I got booked in Alaska. And everyone says, oh, man, you know, I, I wish I had Alaska. Alaska's a tough one to get. Well, we all got together one day and we decided that, you know, what's something that none of us have? And that state happened to be Vermont. And really, that was what the genesis point of it was. We thought, all right, well, let's, let's put out the feelers and do everything we can and let's all get Vermont. Um, so, you know, in our own twisted, real-life, independent version of Monopoly, we all, you know, Vermont, or, you know, Baltic Avenue, whatever it was that we needed, we're like, that's what we're going for. Um, and that's how it came about. And it just so happened that uh, one of the guys on the roster, um, his girlfriend at the time was a student at Bennington College, and that's really what got us in the, you know, got us in the door there, and we put on a pair of shows up there. Now, that very long-winded and dull explanation I'd like to punctua- uh, punctuate by saying, um, although we have not announced it yet, I do know uh, with 100% certainty that Chicago will be back in New England, not in Vermont, but we will be back in New England this calendar year. Um, but we will not be announcing that for a couple months yet. So there's a little exclusive for you and me and you know the eight people that tuned in to hear any crap I have to say. Um, that is coming later this year from Chicago. As a resident of Massachusetts, that makes me very excited right now. Because well, uh, we'll probably be leaning on you to drive out. You know, you have to whip up the four Chicago fans in Massachusetts and get them on over to our shows. I will drum up an army to uh, bring to these shows. <laughs> I um I have not been to a Chicago show, being in New England, but I was fortunate enough to be at the 2005 Ted Petty Invitational Tournament, where I got to see. Several matches with you, including the one uh, you and Skyda, that was excellent. Uh, although, sadly, I sat next to a man who had a very intense dislike of you for reasons I, I cannot fathom. Uh, well, you know, it seems like whenever I, I go out to the Ted Petty or, or, you know, a big show like that, there's always, like, one guy who really, you know, I don't know if he's mentally disturbed or what his problem is, but uh, he he's vehemently opposed to just my presence. Like, he doesn't even wait for me to do anything or see if he enjoys my, my style of wrestling. Like, he's vehemently opposed to me being there. 
And that guy, it's not always the same guy, but there's one guy that seems to you know, always be in the crowd like that. Um, I don't know, I kind of get a, a kick out of it. I think it's kind of funny. Like, what is wrong with this? You know, it's always when you get to the back, uh, hey, do you hear that, you know, that one mentally disturbed fellow out in the audience and everyone has a laugh at his expense? But, uh, yeah, I think I know exactly what you're referring to. <laughs> yes, this man was clearly a madman, and I believe he wore bowling shoes, so that, that settles it. <laughs> Uh, you have written several books, including Headquarters, one of my favorite wrestling books, although it's not technically a wrestling book. But is you ever going to do write the, the big history of Chikara? Well, I contribute to uh, the Chikara yearbook, and there is a, an updated version which is going to press, I think, as we speak, and will be available for sale in the next 30 days, um, which sort of encompasses everything in, in the history of Chikara from uh, the start to the close of 2006. So uh, that is that's kind of a good sampling, and it's also a nice reference work for our loyal fans who, you know, they've they've been with us and uh, kind of want to have a, a memento or keepsake that sort of summarizes the whole arc of our existence. Um, but right now, that's really and it's not particularly narrative. I mean, it's very very much just like uh, uh, database type information. Although there is a uh, you know, in, in the beginning, several pages dedicated to kind of the overall story of the company. It does tend to be, you know, a complete show results and things like that. Um, so more like an almanac in my mind than it is really, you know, like the narrative tale of our company. And I'm sure there will be a time when it's appropriate um, for me to do that. Um, but uh, it's not something I'm currently working on. I mean, it's kind of like one of those projects. It's like a dozen down the line in the conveyor belt. And, you know, I feel like there's, there's a lot of other things that I, I We'll probably get to before that ever sees the light of day. Mm. Well, this weekend, as you said, the big King of Trios tournament, Friday, Saturday, and mm-hmm. Sunday. Was this show easier or just as hard as to put together as the Tag World Grand Prix have been? Um, I would say this one is roughly equal in, in terms of just like overall stress to you know the, the backstage committee and everybody that works behind the scenes to make these things happen and. Uh, the just tremendous and very dedicated support staff that works to make Chikara possible. In terms of the, the, you know, the collective level of stress held by everyone, this is roughly equal to last world, or last year's Tag World Grand Prix, I would say. Um, the first time we did the, the giant Tag World, when we had 32 tag teams, was in 2005, and uh, not, actually not unlike you know the, the weather right now, we were plagued by bad weather only on the final night of the Tag World. So. Um, well, when we first announced that we were going to this sort of bloated tournament format, uh, promotions contacted us. It wasn't as if we had to send out invitations. Um, they came after, you know, we got a phone call from Osaka Pro. We got a phone call from places that were like, why did they even know our phone number? That sort of thing. Um, and then by the time we did the, the second version of the really gigantic tag war, which was last February, it sort of felt like, well, we know how this is going to work, and, you know, all the pieces fell into place, and... The real problem was just in terms of, I mean, obviously when you have that many people from that many different countries, one, you have a linguistics issue because you've got to figure out, well, who's going to be able to communicate with these people or who's going to be able to say, this is the, you go with this person to this hotel and all that sort of like travel logistics uh, type crap that you have to deal with. It's just the real world claptrap of putting on a, a massive event like this. Um, in addition to, you know, let's coordinate flights and let's make sure that this guy's paperwork is all in order so he can come into the country and... You know, oh, this guy doesn't read email, so we have to make sure we send him messages via telegram. You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, we sort of warmed up to a little bit. So in terms of, like, the number of people, obviously the Tag World had 64 competitors, and at King of Trios only 48. 
Um, so even though there's a few less heads to be counted, in terms of like overall work and stress, it's about equal to last year's. Uh, it's not so insane that I think everyone's saying, you know, this is going to be the last show we ever do. Because um, I've certainly been to, you know, companies that put on giant tournaments where it seems like the support staff is tearing their hair out and they just want to grab you by the lapels and shake you and scream like, why do we ever do these giant tournaments? And, um, you know, obviously for those that only ever get to see the finished product, the in-ring product, or, you know, a month later they watch it on tape or DVD, um, you know, that experience is like diametrically opposed to the behind-the-scenes experience in the months building up to the tournament of everyone that has to you know, pitching and coordinate and drive and all that kind of jazz. So um, if, if for nothing else, uh, you know, one, I'm just very eager to have all this talent in one place. It's a great learning experience. A lot of the people coming in are staying to teach classes at Chikara Wrestle Factory so that we really get a nice cosmopolitan mix there at the school in the week after the tournament. But I'll just be very glad when it's done. Mm. Um, because obviously I, I help out backstage in addition to the fact that I, I also wrestle. So, uh, you know... I'll, some guys are just nervous about what's going to happen in the ring, but, uh, you know, I, I have a little bit extra on my plate in that regard because of uh, carrying a little bit uh, more responsibility. So I will be thoroughly pleased when the weekend is over. <laughs> now, there's a lot of Chichikara regulars in the tournament, like the, the Colony and the Order of the Neo-Solar Temple, but there are a lot of uh, a lot of contingents outside of the United States, including the Lucha contingent of El Pantera, Cigadelico Jr., and Lince Dorado. How did those three uh, end up in the tournament? Uh, believe it or not, about, I want to say two and a half years ago, uh, through, a, through a connection of ours that helped uh, book uh, luchadors into the United States, we had the opportunity to bring Pantera to the U.S. Uh, and it sounded like a great idea. We were all in favor of it. I'm a fan of his work. A lot of my guys are fans of his work. Um, and it just seemed like that, you know, that seemed like a, a great move and certainly stylistically he fit in with us. Well, then we hit some kind of red tape snafu, and uh, we ended up instead getting AAA luchador Oriental uh, in his place. And uh, I think we all, we all kind of shared, like, uh, a bit of disappointment. Not that we, you know, obviously when we had Oriental, we were very thankful for that, a very talented wrestler. And I even got to wrestle him one-on-one during his stay here. It was a great experience for me. But we all lamented the fact that Pantera didn't get to come to Jakar and experience our wackiness firsthand and play around with us and teach at the school, and all those good things that happen when we have visitors. So ever since then, every once and again, when I happen to be on the phone with this particular gentleman or, you know, we have the opportunity to talk, he'd say, hey, do you guys think, you know, you'd ever be interested in Pantera? Well, we're always interested, you know, but we're a very small company. Mm. Um, you know, and when you, when you talk about flight expenses out of Carretero, which is uh, a suburb of Mexico City, and then you're talking about all these other expenses, and then obviously, you know, you, you get these guys don't come to work for free. Um, a lot of times, you know, there's great, great talent out there. We'd love to book, and we just don't have the resources to do it. You know, uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, if I had the opportunity, well, I'd probably, you know, put my vote in that we hold the next Super J Cup here and we'll fly over 16 of the best Japanese junior heavyweights and do it. But that's just not realistic, uh, you know, for Chikara in terms of finance. Um, so as it happened to work out, uh, Typically, you know, one of, one of our consistent Mexican representatives, Skyda, uh, has been unavailable of late. And uh, some, of the, some of the money that's usually kind of earmarked to bring him to the U.S. went unspent. And we decided, you know, why don't we go out and really try and get a, a trio of luchadors? Um, and, of course, Pantero was top of that list. And we just happened to be speaking to uh, Cigadelico Jr. 
uh, who, for those who may not be familiar with the heritage of it, uh, probably maybe the second or third most famous Mexican luchador, Mil Mascaras, uh, and his two wrestling brothers, Dos Caras and Cigadelico, um, have sort of uh, brought about their second-generation stars, and that is Dos Caras Jr., the son of Dos Caras, of course, mm-hmm. and Cigadelico Jr., um, those Carlos Jr. Uh, works for CMLL, and he's outrageously expensive. And I, I was told I didn't, I wasn't involved in this firsthand, but I was told we'd be killing ourselves to try and bring him here. Um, but we were very fortunate uh, that we could get Cicadelico Jr., um, who's also an outstanding talent. And uh, people in our region of the country have certainly never seen him before. I don't think he's had much in terms of mainstream exposure. And then a relative rookie kind of rounds out the trio, uh, Lince Dorado. Uh, who is uh, half Mexican, half Puerto Rican, and uh, but speaks perfect English, which is great, because uh, so many times, as I'm sure you gathered, we get people or talent here that don't speak our language, and it can be very challenging. Um, so that was kind of a very easy thing to put together, because, uh, you know, he's bilingual. So hmm. as, as a matter of fact, so is Cicadelico Jr. So, um, you know, that, that really fell together quite easily for us. Um, and when, when I finally heard, you know, I'd, I'd heard about Pantera coming, and then when I heard that the, uh, the trio had been rounded out and heard who else would be getting it, I thought, this is really something special. I was genuinely excited, um, you know, when I heard about that. As I am really, any time, you know, I get wind of all of this international talent wants to come or this company wants to send us representatives, uh, that's very exciting. It's very flattering to know, you know, a company that I'm very heavily involved with, um, is treated that way and regarded that way by companies from other countries where we have no presence. It's very flattering. Oh. I did see uh, Pantera had his mask on on the uh, the um, Chikara page for the King of Trios tournament, but I believe he lost mm-hmm. it last July. I don't want you to get in trouble with that the Lucha true. Commission if uh, if he tries to wear it at the, uh, at the well, show. Well, you know, that's a very valid question, and it's actually kind of a strange circumstance because I, like you, know that he, he lost his mask uh, in the main event of like a cage match at CMLL last summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, when when they were sending us promotional material so that we could, of course, advertise the luchadors that are coming, we got a picture of Pantera with his mask on. And uh, you know, most of the people that, that, that work with us know that I'm a bit of a lucha head. And they said to me, does this guy wear a mask? And I, I said, not anymore. I mean, he, he did it one time, but, but to the best of my knowledge, no, he, he does not. So maybe they sent a dated photo, and there was some back and forth that I wasn't involved in about, can we get photos of him without his mask? And we were told point blank, he insists on wearing the mask. Hmm. Um, now, in Mexico, of course, as you know, the Lucha Libre Commission would forbid that. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's lost his mask there, and, you know, and obviously, we, I mean, we're not looking to start trouble. We'd be more than happy to uphold that, and there's no reason in our minds that he needs to put the mask on. But we were told, due to circumstances that we are not privy to and we don't really know the story on, when he's outside of Mexico, and he, he does frequent Japan and some other places as well, he insists on wearing the mask. Hmm. And I wish I knew more of the story to it than that, but I don't. Um, so I was told... You know, no, you're not going to get pictures of him without the mask. No, he's not going to wrestle without the mask. Um, and, uh, you know, we kind of got the feeling they were a little irritated that we were poking around about it. So Oops. we just left well enough alone. He wants to wear the mask? That's great. We love mask guys. Put on your hood. Let's go. All right. Well, we also have some non-tournament action. Uh, for night three, we have Mokujin Ken versus the Mecha Mummy. And uh, that's a bad matchup for Ken because Mummy has those drills. He could literally rip right through Ken. Yeah, and one thing that one of the guys just brought up to me the other day, they said, uh, do you think Mokujin Ken's even going to get in the ring? 
Um, and when I kind of thought about, you know, what his body looks like and things mm-hmm. like that, I thought, you know, I never even thought about that. Um, and one of the other things that came up, the flight, uh, all of, we have a number of Japanese wrestlers that are coming in besides Mecha Mummy. Uh, Yoshiaki Yago, Miyawaki is coming, Kudo, Dan Shokudino, uh, an American who's probably most famous in Japan, the American Balloon. We've um, actually had him on the show twice. Oh, we do? Well, I, I, he's been on this show twice, actually. Oh, he's been on your show. I yes. see what you're saying. Um, and and as, as you know, I mean, obviously, he speaks a number of languages, so he's a good guy to have in that mix, um, along with Masamune from Osaka Pro, uh, a female wrestler from Japan, Lamal Kriata. They're all coming in uh, tomorrow. God forbid, you know, the, the flights get canceled or something like that. But mm. weather permitting, this huge Japanese contingent's arriving tomorrow at the airport, and a number of our people are being dispatched to pick them up. And uh, I'm most curious to see what Mummy has brought with him. Uh, you know, I only really know him. I've never seen him live. I only know what I've seen, uh, you know, from downloading it or watching DVDs. And mm-hmm. obviously, as you know, he's got a giant drill. He has this huge metallic fist. He sometimes has a, a jet pack on his back or wings or whatever. And, uh, you know, when the, D- the DDT office specifically requested that we put that match together, and we are only allowed to have him for the one show. We, we are not, he can only be promoted for one appearance. That really kind of got a lot of us thinking, like, what do they have up their sleeve? Like, you know, there must be some special reason that they'll only allow it to happen under these circumstances. And we started to think that maybe, you know, on the flight over, he'll only be able to pack up so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anything, like, I've instructed people, you know, look, if you pick them up, snap something with your cell phone and send it to us. So we, <laughs> you know, obviously the bag with the giant drill sticking out of it is going to be necromancy. Um <laughs> So there's definitely a curiosity amongst the Chikara family about, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, which I, I think, too, is, is one of the things our fans appreciate about what what we are and what we do. is Like, we're every bit as enthusiastic and curious uh, about all these kind of things as they are. You know, we have as, as good a time, I think, as they do, and that comes through in our live experience. A lot of people tell me, like, there's nothing that compares to being at our shows live. Uh, and that's a, a sentiment that I really relish hearing from our fans because um, there's such a, a level of interest and attention to detail and uh, sense of fun and enthusiasm that every person on the Chikara roster brings to the events. I think it just flows right into the audience, and they, they just pick up on it, and, and it's like you're having a party with a bunch of friends and everybody's having a good time. All right, last question. Uh, Night 2 has Chuck Taylor versus the Create a Wrestler. Has this man been created yet, or is this being, going to be the night of the show? Uh, well, this is uh, one of our rookies, and uh, as we just very, very recently uh, posted up on ChikarPro.com, if you happen to stop by, click on Feature, which is our top selection, and there you're going to find out a little bit more about the Creator Wrestler Contest. Um, off and on over the years, we get emails from fans or letters or what have you, and they have these crazy ideas, oh, wouldn't it be cool if a wrestler did this, or wouldn't it be funny to have a wrestler named this, or that looks like this, and they send us a picture of a drawing they made or whatever. And uh, we were really kind of uh, charmed by this, that so many creative people wanted to kind of share their uh, little uh, bits of imagination with us. And uh, we got to a point where, obviously, we have a, a rookie who's ready to debut, and it just didn't seem like uh, this was someone who really, a lot of times, the guys are sort of, uh, I don't know how to say it, but uh, what they are is really just an extension of themselves. And we didn't really see anything necessarily uh, that translated in terms of a ring persona for this gentleman. And that's where the Creator Wrestler Contest really came from, this idea, in that we are 
requesting that fans, between now and our anniversary events in the month of May, if they wanted to write something, they wanted to draw something, whatever they wanted to do, send in your ideas as thoroughly or as you know half-baked as you like, um, including as much or as little detail as you care to, uh, about a character that you've made up. And in the month of May at our anniversary events, we'll select a winner, we'll pick a favorite, and then in the month of June at Young Lions Cup 5, Creator Wrestler will re-debut with this new fan-created persona, and the winner, of course, will get tickets to our shows and a bunch of other crap uh, that we'll give away, and all that kind of goodness. So that is like the whole spiel with Creator Wrestler. All right. Well, I know you have to get going. I want to thank you for being on. Why don't you uh, plug the King of Trios tournament for everyone who may not be aware of uh, the locations and times? Sure. Please, uh, if you happen to be in Pennsylvania or within driving distance, or you're so possessed by the things that we've said during this interview that you must see King of Trios for yourself, come join us Friday night, uh, February 16th. We're at the American Legion Hall in Hellertown, Pennsylvania. That's just outside Allentown, PA. The next night... We're in Barnesville, PA, which is a real small town in the sticks just outside of Frackville, Pennsylvania. Night three, it starts at 4 p.m. in the afternoon at the ECW Arena in South Philadelphia. Of course, the, uh, the hallowed home of ECW. Now it's more commonly called the New Alhambra. Um, you will find us there for the final night, including the last two rounds of tournament action and at least eight or nine non-tournament matches as well, featuring wrestlers from around the world under one roof. And if for some reason you just can't join us in person, of course, these events will be available about a week thereafter at smartmarkvideo.com for your VHS or DVD purchase. And you can tune in every Monday night to Chikara's podcast to go where we show uh, clips and interviews and other things for free. Uh, you can check out uh, us via iTunes or if you want to go to chikarapodcast.com and read up about other methods of seeing it there. And that will, of course, keep you abreast of all things Chikara. Yes, and if you're in the area, I implore you to please go the, to these shows and buy DVDs. I will try to avoid spoilers. To uh, When I get the DVDs, I will fail like I do every time I try this, but I will order them nonetheless. Mike Quackenbush, I want to thank you for being on. It was a pleasure, and uh, hopefully get you on again, perhaps, when you approach your return to New England. We can try to hype that show for the eight people in Chicago, I mean, Massachusetts who are Chikara fans. <laughs> I look forward to it. Thanks for having me on, Joe. Hey, no problem. I thanks everyone for listening, and I will talk to you soon.